Okay, so yeah, we just uh, you guys know Andrew, right? Yes. So we we see him sing, and he's always here. But now we're gonna hear him preach. So please welcome Andrew. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a clock here. Uh, it's, can you hear me? I mean, it's a small room. Okay, so uh, Pastor Dennis asked me today to just a small introduction and. Um, he asked me if I could talk about the promises of God. And uh, that was kind of like what I was already meditating on this last week, in a way. And um, if you turn with me to Jeremiah 29, we're going we're gonna to bounce around a little bit because that's how my mind works. <laughs> Bible college. <laughs> Ping pong. Ping pong, yeah. I'm going to try and connect this together, so I hope it makes sense. Um, we're going to read verse 1 first. Uh, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exile, and to the priests and the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then we move down to verse 10. In the middle, God gives them a list of things that he wants them to do while they're in exile. And then we move down to verse 10. And it says, Thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And then he goes on and says, I will, I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have driven you, and I will bring you back to the place. And then if we move on to uh, chapter 31, and verse 35. And this is the main portion that I'm highlighting today. It says, Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and stars for light by night, who stirs the sea so that his waves roar. If this fixed order departs from before me, then shall, I f then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation. And if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then will I cast off the offspring of Israel for what they have done. And I was thinking about this. Like our world today is so is characterized by unfaithfulness, isn't it? Like I read the statistic today that 40% of unmarried relationships and 30% of married relationships, like there's at least one incident of unfaithfulness in, in that relationship around the world. And I was just thinking when I took the boys, uh, Yvonne and some of the some of the international students came to visit me in Mumbai, and I took them on the streets shopping, and and they say that if you if an, if a foreigner goes shopping, they're going to take him for a ride, they're going to charge him a high price. But if he goes with an Indian, right, they, I can bargain and get a discount. And in a way, in a way, like they see an American and they say, oh, I can take advantage of him. Why? Because like unfaithfulness is like a part of our lives. You know, and I was thinking of the it's the old heart, really, like unfaithfulness is like a big characteristic of our old heart, and whether we like it or not, it is there, 
I was thinking of, like, I mean, when I look at unfaithfulness, I look, I think of Israel, like the nation of Israel. But isn't it me too? Most times, like the other day, I was I was talking to someone, and all this Bible college lingo came out, right? And in my heart, I could I could sense that it was like just a form of godliness. In a way, that's unfaithfulness too, because like I'm not I'm not completely, I'm not completely. I'm not I'm completely believing what I'm saying but like I'm kind of sugarcoating it and um, and I was thinking about this one thread that we see throughout the Bible it's God's faithfulness irrespective of Israel's unfaithfulness and that's kind of what I want to talk about today it's we, we see that his faithfulness is so unconditional right and yeah, just to put it to put it very simply, Israel has been unf- was unfaithful to God time and time again. Time and time again, they turned their backs to God. Right? There were times where they refused to accept the conditions that God allowed them to be in. Maybe they were tough conditions, and there were times where they refused to accept the leaders that God gave them. Right? And nothing exemplifies God's unconditional faithfulness more than His faithfulness to Israel. And I was thinking of two instances where. One of them was Mount Sinai, right? Israel, they've just they've come out of Egypt and Moses goes on the mountain. He's talking, he's getting the, the commandments from God. And what do the Israelites do? They have a golden calf. And they say, this is, the, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt, right? And what did God do in return? He could have destroyed them, but he did not because, he had, because of his promises. Moses reminded God of his promises. And God's like, yeah, I know. I'm not going to destroy them. The second one I was thinking of is like their unwillingness to enter the promised land, right? God had promised that to them, but they didn't want to. They said the walls are too high and the giants are too big. And eventually God did take them to the promised land. And what's so interesting is that Israel, a small nation, they've always been surrounded by, by enemies, right? On all sides, with the Syrian Empire, the Babylonians, and now they're surrounded by Muslim countries who want to destroy them, right? And so many times they could have vanished from the world map. <laughs> so many times, countless times. And the fact that it hasn't is like proof to me that that it's a symbol of Israel is a symbol of God's faithfulness, right? So we look at this text again. Verse 29, uh, chapter 29. He says, "This is is the Israelites are in Babylon because of their own doings, right? Their hearts have turned against the Lord, and God allowed them to go into captivity." exile and God says when these 70 years are over I will visit you and I will fulfill my promise and bring you back to this place and the whole next chapter chapter 31 God goes on and gives them eight things of why he's faithful to them and his faithfulness to them and he says the number one reason in 31 verse 3 says is because I have loved you with an everlasting love therefore I've continued my faithfulness to you it's not because of what you did. It's not because of all the sacrifices you offered to me, or the times you tried to be good, but it's because I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I will continue my faithfulness to you. And then he says, he gives them seven more things. He says, I will gather you in verse 8. He says, I will lead you back in verse 9. In verse 11, he says, I have redeemed you. In verse 14, he says, I will satisfy you. In verse 28, he says, I will watch over you. And this is my favorite one. In verse 34, he says, I will forgive your iniquity and I'll remember your sin no more. 
right? And then this is not the this is not even the best part. The best part is what follows. He gives them four impossibilities, right? The first one is if the sun stops giving light. The second one is if the the waves stop if the seas stop roaring and the waves stop roaring, then shall I forget forget Israel? And he gives them two more. If the heavens above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, the 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 the, the end, the observable end of the universe right now, what we can see is 93 billion light years away, and is still expanding. And that's what God says, right? If if the heavens above can be measured, then will I stop my faithfulness to Israel? And if I can, if I, if the foundations of the earth below can be explored, it's four thousand miles down deep to dig, and even then we can't explore it because it's so hot. And that's an impossibility. And that's what God is saying. Like even then, only then will I forget my faithfulness to you. But it's an impossibility, which is awesome. And think of Israel now. Like they, they formed after years of being scattered across, right? And they brought, they brought together as a nation, and it's, it's called the miracle on the Mediterranean. And the fact that it's been it's surviving for 65 years in the middle of all these crazy countries, right, is a testimony of God's faithfulness. The promise in Psalm 121, the protector of Israel, neither sleeps nor slumbers, right. And so, I was th like, why is this important to us? Like, why is God's faithfulness to is to Israel important to us? And it's because the same God who is faithful to Israel is faithful to all those who come to His Son, right? Right? And Hebrew, Hebrews 10.23 says, We can hold fast to confession of hope without wavering because He who promised is faithful. Right? It's not, it's not, it's not up to me because I will fail and I will be unfaithful. But I can hold on to this confession of faith without wavering because He who promised is faithful. And in, clo in closing, I wrote down these three points that we can really take away with us and hold on to. Number one, we have a faithful God, right? Second Timothy, Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, He is faithful. Why? Because He cannot deny Himself, right? Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord and I change not. The same God who brought them out of, Israel, out of Egypt, the same God who delivered them, who redeemed them, ransomed them, forgave their sins, changes not. And we can hold on to that. The second thing is, he has a, he's done a faithful work, and that's the cross, right? So faithful God has done a faithful work, right? In Leviticus 16, they had the Day of Atonement, right? And once a year, every year, for everyone, there would, there would be an atonement, right? And Hebrews 10, that is done once and for all. The work done is faithful. We've, we've been sanctified by, through the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work will complete it. Why? Because he's faithful. And the work that he's done is faithful. And the last, and last point is that he's given us his faithful word. Uh, at the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua has gathered the elders around him. And he says this to them. He says, You know in your heart and in your soul that not one of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel has failed. All of them have come to pass. Right? And this is the conclusion at the end of his life. And that's why we can hold fast to this confession of hope without wavering because God is faithful. Amen.
that awesome? Andrew is a good preacher. All right, he did he pass the test? Yeah, we can give him a diploma. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll talk to Matt Garrett and we'll just you know scrub the rest of the three years that you have. Forget about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love the thoughts uh, a faithful Savior doing a faithful work, um, and that's not just something that happened at the cross. It's not just something that happened once and for all. But it's something that we continue to experience, right? Like it did happen once, and that's the basis of our salvation, but it's also the basis of our blessing. You know, so I'm, I'm, I love that thought, you know. And, you know, why did God do this? Because we are so faithless, aren't we? Like how many, you know, how many problems do we cause God? And you think of your children and how many problems they cause you, and sometimes you just want to, you know... I'm not going to say it because it's being recorded, but you know. <laughs> but this, you know, but imagine how God must feel with us because we think we sit here and we know something about Him, or we know something about Christianity, and then we go ahead and we 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 foul up anyways. But you know, God isn't sitting there. I mean, He does correct, He does lead, He does guide, but He doesn't disown, does He? Because God is so faithful in His promises. God is so faithful in his promise. And that is what we cling to. We cling to the promises of God. Amen? Amen. So let's turn our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 18. And we'll do a little bit of table talk where you guys talk at your table or read Bible verses. Um, Since we started earlier, Calvin, right, I can go longer? Yes. (laughs) Hey, we're excited about this summer, so we have Vacation Bible School. So if you have kiddos that you want to sign up or have neighbors with kiddos, um, you can get them signed up. We have softball Saturday nights at Baker Park. We have a concert in July, not this Saturday. I mean, we're, we're active. We're talking about Bible school. We're talking with the elders about how to get Bible school started. So we're thinking Sunday nights, having an hour class called Foundations, uh, and it will be going through... Uh, the basics of Christianity, and then Saturday night after outreach, uh, doing a class called Theology of Grace right here. So I mean, we're 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 moving, right? Can you print all this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have some summer flyers, like you know, upcoming events, because there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, and the point is, is like we want to be active in our faith, uh, not only with our feet, but also in our hearts, right? Uh, and we also just want to be preachers of the gospel. We want to reach people that need Christ. And maybe uh, through VBS, we'll meet a family who needs a church, who needs a, needs a, needs a faith community that will love them. Uh, maybe through baseball, we'll find somebody who needs salvation, right? Uh, maybe through the concert, we'll find somebody who needs a healing. Maybe through Bible school, we'll find somebody who has great gifts or just wants to grow in their love for God. You know, because we want to know the God who gives us these promises, right? Yeah, so we're excited. So all this is going to happen somehow, to some degree, sometime. <laughs> so that's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18. This is a very interesting verse, you know, I mean... Uh, the idea of evil has been on my heart, you know, just because of 
evil happening in our world. I mean, we point to our governments and we can complain about our government. Uh, but the reality is, is we can point to our government and see how much evil is going on. And they're trying to do something that we disagree with. But in, in hindsight, there's also evil happening every single day. Right? Shootings are happening way too often. Uh, I mean, and if people don't have guns, they use knives and they stab people in the subway system, and it, it is terrible. Uh, reading about some of these adults, what they do with children and the school system, I mean, I mean, there is a lot to be angry about, <laughs> isn't there? Uh, but, you know, the world is no different than it was when the Roman Empire ruled. There's no difference, you know, uh, there's nothing new under the sun King Solomon said, and we say amen to that. So we don't run with our tail between our legs and hide in the, in the rocks. We stand up tall, our boots are on, our boxing gloves are on, and we're ready to defend our faith, and we believe what we believe because uh, it is true. It is true. So Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, it says, When you come into land which the Lord your God is giving you, very interesting verse, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those. There shall not be found among you which uh, anyone who makes his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsaver, or interpretation of omens, or a sorcerer. For all who do these things are abominations to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you will uh, dispossess, listen to soothsayers, diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. It's very interesting here because, uh, I mean, obviously uh, the, the Jews are getting ready to go into the promised land and there is a lot that is before them. There is a lot of unknowns. Uh, there is enemies. Uh, there are strange religions. And we can look at, the, at Deuteronomy, and it is like preparing the Jews to go in to the promised land. You know, and in many, in many instances, we are the same, just kind of as Andrew was making the analogy between the Jews and their relationship between them and God, it is the same for us. You know, God made a covenant with the Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, and He has also made a covenant with us. We see that there in Jeremiah 31. There is a new covenant that God has made with the church. You know, so we see it here also, just as God is saying something about Israel going into the promised land, He is also saying something about us and the, entering into the promises in which God has given us. You know, and I would love for us to see as believers for us to enter into those promises that God is giving us. Now, the promises that God has given us in some instances are the same as Israel and also in some instances they're different. In some instances we can look in the Bible and we can see the promises of God being very clear. Like a promise of heaven, right? A promise of eternal life. The promise of a kingship. The promise of re rewards. We can see those, but we can also see that some of the promises that God is giving us are very personal. And they are found through the rhema of God as we open the Bible and we draw closer to the personal relationship with who He is. But no matter how those 
promises of God are being revealed, whether they're general or they're specific for you in your life, it doesn't matter because God is still preparing us to enter into that promise. You know, starting right there in verse 9, and I probably won't get any further than verse 9. Um, because, you know, my, my, the topic of my message was the abomination of nations. And I probably won't get there at all. Maybe there'll be some other time. But verse 9 is amazing. It says, when you come into land which the Lord your God is giving you. There's two things that we see here that are so important for us to understand about Israel entering into the promise that also reflects our own relationship with God. And if we understand these two things, it'll change our walk with God. And number one, that is, is when you come into the land. It is a very, very simple statement, and we take it for granted because we read the Old Testament, and we know that it's a matter of fact that God is going to bring them into the promised land. And we know that God said it once, and they disbelieved, as Andrew said. And then he said it again, and then finally they believed. We read it, and it is so normal for us. But imagine being in their shoes and being a generation of children that walk through the desert and become young adults in the desert and then continue to walk in the desert. And you hear stories of telling of God and you know bringing us to a promised land. And you have never tasted that. The only thing you have tasted is manna. I mean, there were children being born in the wilderness. And the only thing they had tasted is manna. And they heard stories about their parents being delivered out of Egypt. Now this is, you know, from Abraham to Moses in the Exodus. It is around, I mean... You can argue about it. I mean, it's around 500 years. Some say 630. Some say 430, whatever. It's around 500 years between Moses and the Exodus. I mean, uh, sorry, not Moses. Abraham and then the Exodus. That means for 500 years, there is a promise of the promised land that is never experienced. Generation after generation after generation after generation, they never experience the promise of God. They only hear about the promise of God. How would you feel? How would you express yourselves? Would you disbelieve? And we say, no, no, no. But you know what? I say, yes, yes, yes. Because again, as you know, Andrew was saying, I look at my own life and my own walk with God and how I have seen him move, how I have felt his presence in worship how I have seen his answered prayers, and yet I still am unfaithful to God. I still live in subjection to my flesh. I still live in subjectivity. <laughs> I mean, I could stand here today and I can know the fact that God has called me and God has led me in this direction of ministry, yet I could question in my own heart, has God really done this in my life or have I made a mistake? I could say, you know, God has been faithful to me and look at what he has saved me from and he has not condemned me. I have been forgiven again and again and I stand here by the grace of God yet somehow I can still feel guilt in my life. The promises of God are an absolute. Actually, we open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is an amazing verse and this should be a memory verse we all know. Do you know it? 
he does. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. You want to read it, Calvin? Sure. Is it, is it yes to you, okay? <laughs> you changed your Bibles? What? You changed your Bibles? That's yeah, okay. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Is that a good verse? So what are the promises? The promises of God are yes. The promises of God are yes. And I love this verse, and actually that translation brings it out very clearly. It says that it is for all the promises uh, uh, in him was the yes come true. Meaning like if there's a promise that God has given, the only way to experience the promise is through himself. Meaning that we cannot experience the promises of God outside of Jesus Christ. We cannot experience the promises of God outside the promise giver. So go back to when this promise was first given to uh, the promised land or uh, of, his, of a great seed. And Abraham, what did he try to do? He knew the promise, but he saw his own humanity. What was wrong with his humanity? It wasn't weakness in spirit. It wasn't weakness in his emotion. It wasn't weakness in his soul. It was very simply weakness in his flesh. He was old. Couldn't have children. (laughs) I mean, it was literally impossible for both of them. So he makes a provision for himself, right? It's interesting. How often do we do that? I mean, I mean, I'm guilty, right? Financial trouble, what do I do? Instead of praying, I actually, you know, start looking for side jobs. <laughs> then I work myself to death, and all of a sudden I find myself actually in more trouble somehow. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You know, as a man, I see a problem, I try to fix it. I try to fix it, I try to fix it, I try to fix it, but I, I, but I don't rely on the promise giver. See, the first thing that we need to realize that in our walk with God is that God has made a promise and he is going to bring us into it. It is God who has given you the promise. It is God. The real problem that I have in my life is discovering what that promise really is. Like I know beyond the shadow of doubt that one day I will be in heaven. But in my daily life, what are the promises of God for me in my daily life? Let's, uh, I mean, if you're still there, I didn't turn there, sorry. I cut, copy, and paste the Bible verse. 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Because you know, this is amazing because in this passage... He reveals what some of the promises are. And they are so important for us as believers. And these are foundational to our walk with God. They are foundational in our relationship. And you know, honestly, it's foundational in my marriage. Because in my marriage, if if Christ isn't there, (laughs) uh uh-oh. You know, my wife's from New York and I'm from New England. You know, it doesn't mix, Okay. You know, different style music, different personalities, very different. If Christ is not there, there's a whole lot of flesh, you know. 
I've never hit her though. I put a fist up just to say, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's never hit me either, you know. Actually, I did hit her once. So there's this one time, right, when we first got married, uh, you know, she walks into church and she had a black eye. And she pulled, you know, Pastor Dwayne, you guys know Pastor Dwayne? He pulls Kaylee aside and says, you know, do we need to talk to Dennis? You know, something wrong with, did he hit you? And she, so, and she's like, no, no, he didn't hit me. You know, so I was actually having a dream, and I used to play a lot of soccer, and I was I was a keeper, right? So in my dream, I was diving for the ball to punch it out of the way, so the, the person, and I punched Kaylee's eye. <laughs> so she had a black eye for me. So technically, I hit her, but it was you know, her head was the soccer ball. <laughs> so Second Corinthians one twenty. For all the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him are Amen. To the glory of God through us. Now, now, listen to this. Now, he who established us in Christ and has anointed us is God. Also, he has sealed us, giving us the spirit in our hearts of a guarantee. Right there, right after that verse is given, Paul gives us these three promises that we can say yes to God about. Number one is that we are established in Christ. Meaning that in our life, even though there is, you know... There is movement and there is insecurity like in our finances. There is insecurity in my housing. There is insecurity in my car. There is insecurity in my job. There are things that we are never going to know maybe. But in the midst of that, I can be established because of who Christ is. Some of the greatest years of my life is where I, I never knew where I was going to sleep. I mean, honestly. I mean, go, go to China, live there for 10 months. Come back in the summer, this couch, this couch, this couch, this couch, not having a ticket back to China, buy a one-way ticket to China, don't know when I'm coming back to America. But you know what? I, I live this kind of uh, you know, nomadic life, yet that did not define the stability that I had in this world. Because the stability that I had in this world wasn't based on my bank account, it wasn't based on my car, it wasn't based on my house. It wasn't based on anything, but it was based on Jesus Christ. And you know what? For me, the scariest thing that ever happened to me, it wasn't like the police following us. It wasn't this happening. It wasn't that happening. It was the fact that when I came back from China that I thought I would miss out in life. I came back, you know, 33 uh, years old, I guess, 32, 33 my friends had many nice cars. They had a house. They had multiples of children. They had a business. They were all set in this world. And I was making minimum wage, living in a basement, getting sick because of the mold. <laughs> My God, I served you for eight years, and this is how you rewarded me? But do you know what? God established us. God established, and God took care. God took care of me. See, we were so focused on this false sense of security by having all these things that we never look to the person who makes us secure. And that is Christ. And I love, you know, it says in Psalm, Psalm chapter 1, it says that in many other Psalms too, that we become a tree that is firmly planted by the still waters. Meaning that in my spirit and in my soul, this is amazing, in my soul, my spirit is that part of me that is God-conscious. 
You know, spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to my spirit, and my spirit responds. But do you know what? When my spirit, my spirit responds, it changes my soul. That soul is that part of me that is self-conscious and natural conscious. It is, it is conscious of what is happening in this world. It is that part of me that has a free will, that makes decisions to come to church. See, and when, when I am firmly planted by the river, it, it, of, uh, there is a still water that I am feeding from. It not only affects my spirit and I begin to commune with God, but it affects my soul and how I relate to this world becomes so different. Because of one promise being yes. That's why I love church. Because I come here and every time I come here, I see a promise of God being fulfilled. Isn't it amazing? The second one, I love this, and this is yeah, at one point in our ministry is con- very controversial, and is this idea that one of the promises of God is that we are anointed. You know, and I believe that this is a biblical principle that in my life that I am anointed by God. Now there are things that can take me out of this anointing, right? If I'm living in sin, if I'm living in some of these abominations, obviously that anointing is gone. But if I'm not having, if I'm not living in sin, doesn't mean I'm sinless, but it means that I am not living in habitual sin, that God says that I am anointed. That doesn't mean that you're anointed to preach. Maybe you are. Doesn't mean only to, you're anointed to evangelize. But that means like when you are scrubbing toilets at your job. You're anointed by God. That means when you're driving a truck, David, you are anointed by God. And that is why if, if I am anointed by God, that's why at any moment the Holy Spirit can flood my soul. And I can experience the presence of God in a moment because of the anointing of God. Has that ever happened to you? You've just been sitting there and all of a sudden something hits you and you are broken? Nothing pricks it. It wasn't a message. It wasn't a song. It's just out of nowhere. God comes in and something is happening in your heart. That is because you are anointed by God. You don't have to be in church to experience that anointing. You can be in your bedroom. You can be sick on your bed like Amy Carmichael. You could be dying and experience the anointing. You could be at your job experiencing the anointing over and over again. We are anointed by God and that is a promise that, that, that Paul says is a yes. And it becomes an amen in my life because of the glory of God. And that last one, number three, to something that we haven't talked much about in, this, in, the, in our services yet, but that is the fact that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You know, and Andrew brought out some amazing verses on how even despite... Israel's failure, he never withdrew that covenant relationship with Israel, which still holds today. I want to make sure that's understood, you know. We don't believe in replacement theology. Israel still holds that covenant today, and they will experience that blessing. But also, as a church, we are also experiencing covenant, aren't we? The new covenant. And there is sin in my life. You know, and does that mean that all of a sudden because of sin I'm not saved? Because of an evil thought about a woman that now that I'm not saved? 
because of an evil word or an outlash of anger means I now I'm going to go to hell if I die this very second? Or does that mean that a sinner on his deathbed couldn't repent and receive the grace of God and be in heaven? I mean, ultimately, we could argue and talk about these things. You know, and God really only knows, right? The fact here is that there is evidence that points that when I am a believer, the Holy Spirit is sealed inside of me. There's, there's many verses that talk, that use that word, that is sealed. It, he is sealed inside of me. And he can't be taken out. That is a promise from God. And here I am as a believer, and you know today I'm on fire for God, and I hope you are too. But in a couple years, maybe that fire is down to a little ember. Does that reflect the fact that I'm established, that I'm anointed, and that I'm sealed? No, it doesn't. It reflects the power of my flesh that it still has over, over my life. It affects some of these things. You know, today maybe you are in church and maybe in five years you're not in church anymore. Does it affect your walk with God? Absolutely. Absolutely. But these are promises that God gives us. And that second part of the verse 9, and for some reason it just really hit me. It says this word, giving you. Okay? When you come into land which the Lord your God is giving you. Isn't that interesting? You know, I, I believe wholeheartedly that in your life there are promises that God has for you, but they're not for you today. I believe God has a call for you that is so deep, it is so real, but you are not to experience it today. I believe that there are people out there that should be in this church, but that shouldn't happen today. It's interesting. I mean, how many of you would love there to be like 30, 40 people in here tonight? I mean, it would be awesome, right? But, but you know what? Honestly, I am saying that God is not giving that today. And am I angry about that? I can be sometimes, right? I mean, God, I want that promise now. <laughs> I want that visa now, David, right? I want that lottery ticket now. <laughs> you know, I want that job offer now. But do you know what? It says here that he is giving you something, meaning that there is a process of time. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22, reveals what, Jesus, what God is doing in, in the life of Israel. He says, And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, little by little. You will... Be unable to destroy them at once. Interesting verse, huh? <laughs> I'm going into the promised land and I finally have it, but I don't have it. It's like us with the promises of God. We we're saved and we're learning more about God and we have the promise of God, yet I don't have it. <laughs> there's, there's like, it's almost like yeah, it's almost like you know putting on my, my one of my shirts on Elias, like he has it but he doesn't quite fit it, <laughs> and that's like Israel that God is giving it little by little, 
You will be unable to destroy them at once. And here's the reason why. Lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. I mean, you know what? This is not like a hyper-spiritual thing. This is very practical. Could have, could God have totally wiped out all the Philistines and all the Amorites and all the Pezuzites and all the other ites? Could, yeah, he could have, right? And naturally, what would the result have been? Dead bodies all around. And then what happens? Jackals, lions, leopards, all these ferocious beasts come and they eat the bodies. And then where do they turn? To the living. I mean, that, that's, what is, that's what is happening here. Very practical. It's the same thing in our own lives in a spiritual sense. That there are things that God wants to give us. But God is waiting for something. And God, it's the same kind of story in Exodus 23.30. It says the same thing, but he, he adds this in Exodus. He says, until they increase and inherit the land. See, like God is giving us the promise little by little. Why? Because he needs us to increase. He needs us to increase. And I am so thankful that I am not the same person I was six months ago. <laughs> you should be too. <laughs> I'm so thankful that I am growing in Christ. You know, and that's how it is for all of us. Because God is waiting to give us some promises, the fullness of the promise, right? He's waiting for us to experience that promise until we increase. Luke chapter 16, verses 11, 10 and 11. In closing here, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you trust and truer riches? I love that verse. Meaning, God is giving me something small. And we're like, oh, come on, God. I want more. I mean, how many of you guys have read the Bible and you're like, God, I want to be like Paul. And I'm stuck in this small little church. <laughs> I can't grow in here. I can't experience what you really have for me, God. I mean, in a practical sense, also, we see that, that many people are willing to have the glory of the throne, but they're not willing to experience the shame of the cross. See, God is revealing to us here, Jesus is saying that he is giving us something, and what we are expected to be is faithful in that little thing. We are expected to be faithful in that little thing. And that faithfulness in that little thing, what does that reveal? Our hearts that are increasing so God can get help us experience the glory of God even more. Actually, another verse, right? It's in Luke 19. It's the parable of the sower. And he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. See, the, the degree in which we are increasing is the degree in which we have authority with God. 
And it's not like we can, it is this authority. And in this parable, he is saying that you have authority over these ten cities and you keep on having authority. See, when you have experienced something so tremendous with God, even if it's small, that gives us authority with God. That gives us authority with God. I experienced a little tiny thing and like, oh, wow, thank you, God. I experienced something so great and so amazing here. And now I have authority in my relationship with God in this area. You know, so many of us as believers, we are waiting for God to give us the promised land and to demolish all of my flesh and to take away all of the evil and to make everything in my life perfect. And I get frustrated and I quit. And I say, you know what, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I don't want it. But do you know what, sometimes it is that God heals me in the going. Remember the parable, the, 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 the ten lepers? They, they could have been healed right then and there, but they were healed as they went to the priests. And it's the same thing with us. Sanctification, healing, whatever you want to call it, experiencing the promises of God. It is, it is revealed to us as we walk with him. Because if God was to unload everything at once with us, we would break I mean, I don't know what God has for you, but maybe it would be like to be a missionary in some crazy country. <laughs> yes, why are you laughing, Marvin? It could be you. No. <laughs> I'm not I mean, yeah, I mean, think about it. So, I mean, right now we have some of our own brothers and sisters in Ecuador. Yeah. I got a phone call today from our good, you know, a good friend of mine in, in, in China. You know, I got a phone a picture from my sister-in-law in, in uh, I mean, I don't even know where she is. It's either Nepal or India. Where's Bethany and Doug? Nepal. Okay, Nepal. <laughs> I, I don't even, I never know where they are. You know, I mean, this is the kind of ministry we're in. And, you know, is it possible that I could be a missionary? Yes. But if God were to dump that on you right now, you would probably be in an insane asylum. You'd be in an in a crazy war. Yes, exactly. Why? Because it is too much of a burden for me to experience all at once. But as God brings the increase in my life, he brings it. You know, that is why, I mean, I, I love it. You know, I love that there's, you guys are here on a Thursday night. You know, be faithful in the small things. Be faithful. What could God do? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You don't know. But be faithful in those little things. I mean, think about VBS and those kids coming. We're going to be faithful to those kids. And I mean, if there's 100 kids, we're going to be excited and faithful and crazy. If there's 10 kids, we're going to be just as excited and have just as much fun. Because that is what God gave us. And those little children are precious. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know God is doing something. Amen. Let's pray. Sorry, I went a little long. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promises that you are giving us. And I love that idea that you are giving. Not only do we experience a promise right now and today, but we are continuing to, re to receive your promises. And we want to experience those over and over again in our lives. If we need a freshness, Lord, bring the freshness. 
if we need a physical or emotional healing, Lord, bring those things. And we ask that you will do a mighty work through the small fellowship. We ask for big things on evangelism and our door knocking this Saturday as we uh, promote VBS. We pray for big things with VBS. Let our, our church do, you know, let us be radical and crazy. Let's think about Bible school. Let's think about baptisms. Let's think about, you know, the homeless people and what that what could happen in their lives and, and, and recovering. Lord, we ask that you will do great and mighty works amongst us, not because we are anything, but because we are smart enough to grab a hold of your hand, God, and say, leave me. Just like little children who are scared and don't know where they're going, teach us to grab your hand, God, and say, leave me. We just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' precious name, amen.